What are tiered water rates and why do water utilities implement them? In this episode, we'll explain how tiered water rates work or are supposed to work. I'm Jeff Sabo, Chief Executive Officer of the Suffolk County Water Authority, and thank you for joining us for another episode of What About Water? In this episode, we're going to tackle an issue that touches every one of our customers, since it concerns how we charge you for the high-quality water supply we provide. Specifically, we're going to talk about tiered water rates, under which those who use more water are charged more per thousand gallons to do so. At SCWA, we incorporated a tiered rate structure in 2019, but it wasn't a creative way to get more money out of our ratepayers. Quite the opposite. Actually, we were looking for a way to mitigate the impact on everyone's rates caused by our highest water users. All throughout Suffolk County, SCWA has water infrastructure. Pump stations, tanks, booster pumps, and more than 6,000 miles of water main connecting it all. But even this vast array of infrastructure cannot keep up with the enormous numbers of people overwatering or setting their lawn watering timers to the same block of time during the early morning hours. Undoubtedly, if you've been following the news the last few weeks, you've heard about this. We have been blitzing the airwaves, local newspapers, and even your phones and email accounts urging you not to water between midnight and 7 a.m. The problem is we have to keep up with demand no matter what. If you turn on your faucet, you need to know that water is going to come out. And that means if people use excessive amounts of water, in some cases millions of gallons per year for a single household, we have to build more infrastructure to keep up. And that infrastructure is very expensive. So the tiered rates were introduced to make sure that those driving our higher costs pay more for the privilege of excessive water use, thereby keeping the rates for everyone else as low as possible. Nothing fairer than that, right? To dig deep into how tiered rates work, let's turn it over to our financial pros. Joining me now is Deputy Chief Financial Officer Chris Cicchetto. So, Chris, what are tiered rates? So, in SCWA's case, our tiered rate structure includes two rates. It's the base consumption rate and our conservation rate. Uh, customers who exceed a certain threshold, depending on their meter size and billing schedule, uh, which is either uh, quarterly or monthly, are charged the conservation rate. And this rate is higher than our base consumption rate. Um, this encourages the customer to be conscious of their consumption and promote conservation. Could you tell us a little bit about how SCWA's tiered rates are structured? So initially, SCWA's consumption thresholds were established to impact the top 20% of water users in every meter size category. The rate itself, uh, when first established in April 2019, reflected a 20% increase over the previous base consumption rate whereas the base consumption rate was only increased 4% over the previous rate. Since that time, though, we have strayed slightly from that approach. Um, as we've analyzed our rate structure and proposed increases since 2019, the board has done everything in their power to minimize rate increases on the average customer. So to generate the required revenues that we need to operate, pay, its, uh, pay SCWA's debt service, and perform capital project-related work, some of the larger meter size thresholds have been significantly reduced to make up the revenues we need without impacting the typical residential customer. 
these tiered rates, they generate revenue. That's significant, isn't it? Yes. So in fiscal year 2022 alone, the conservation rate generated an additional $12 million about. Uh, this is almost 5% of SCWA's total revenue. So we now consider this a significant component of the revenue stream. Chris, last year, the SCWA board raised the threshold to enter the top tier. Why did we do that? So effective June 1st, 2021, uh, we increased our consumption threshold for residential meters by about 15 CCF per quarter, which is more than 11,000 gallons. And simultaneously, we reduced consumption thresholds on the larger meters. This was a decision uh, made by our board of directors to provide our average customer with even a bit more breathing room. The board is very focused on the impact of the average residential customer, and uh, they're very sensitive to the concerns regarding our rate structure. And now with an SCWA water break, SCWA's Theodore Aponte, as he hits the streets in West Islip to hear what residents think about a tiered rate structure. Christine, what do you think about the tiered rate system? I think it's a great idea. It's a good incentive. Um, everybody should be priced at a different bracket. If you know they're not using as much water and they're wasting it, then why do we have to pay for it? The beauty of exactly what you're saying is it's more fair. And it's important to be fair because when people waste more water, it requires us to have more infrastructure, requires us to use more of our resources, and some, in some cases, increase our resources. So this costs money. So when things cost money, our consumers obviously are going to have to pay for what they use. In a sense where everyone pays for the infrastructure, the people who waste more are penalized for overusing and they pay for the extra infrastructure. I never thought about this, you know, um, about the water and all that. Now that you explain everything more to me, that makes me really think more. And as a business owner, that, that really means a lot right now to me. So I'm going to really look into this more. Thank you. I appreciate having you on, Christine. Have a great day. Thank you, Teddy. You too. Paul, what do you think about tiered rates? I think it's a great idea. I think it's going to you know, save money, save on infrastructure, and conserve water. Now, uh, would you say at your current household you use a lot of water, or do you kind of just use it as it goes on a day-to-day? Yeah, just use it as it goes. You know, uh, We have in-ground sprinklers, but we don't use them that much. Thank you, Paul. It was nice having you on here. Thank you. So, Dan, what do you think about tiered rates? Uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting concept. I uh, probably want to see a little bit more about it, but uh, it would seem that commensurate to the amount of water you use that you could maybe, that might help conservation if you knew you were in a certain rate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth exploring. Sprinklers after 7 a.m. in the morning when it's not at the peak hours to help conserve water. So what's your opinion on that? Have you heard anything about that? No, I mean, I have heard things about the optimum time to use water, and I would think now, especially with so many people having, like, underground sprinkler systems, automatic sprinkler systems, that should be something that most people would be able to do. Um, again, I, I didn't know, as you said, that we have enough water. It's just a matter of using it um, most effectively. And, again, uh, everyone wants a nice lawn, but I think that there's probably, uh, everyone could probably give a little bit and, you know, kind of do it on a, a system that makes it um, better. And that's a key point you mentioned there. Your day-to-day will not be affected at all. Your grass will still be green. It's just a matter of adjusting the time. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense, and I'm sure that if people, if there's a financial incentive, um, right now if there's no incentive to watering your 
grass at seven or as opposed to noon or keeping your shower running other than please do that. Um, I think when there's a financial incentive, people are that usually usually what makes people uh, you know change their behaviors. It was a pleasure having you, Dan. Thanks. Okay, so I'm here with Tara, here to talk a little bit about tiered rates. So what do you think about tiered rates? The premise is good. I, you know, it's based on usage. I get that. The more you use, the more you pay. The less you use, the less your bill will be. Um, so I, I, I guess I feel uh, I th it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. The thing with our infrastructure at this current time is that when we have an overuse of water at a given time, it puts more stress on the infrastructure systems we have in place. So, yeah, a lot of people, I, I guess they're you know, they're not informed about, you know, you just think you take for granted that water is always there. And, you know, I don't know how many people, you know, do conserve. I mean, I'm guilty. I, I water my lawn. I have sprinklers and, you know, I, I don't really limit my showers too often, but, um, you know, it's something to be definitely to be, you know, mindful about, be, you know, I guess we could be more educated about it and thoughtful and, um, yeah, we, you know, you need water. Yeah. And that's a key point right there. So yeah, you don't have to limit your lifestyle. A lot of people put their sprinklers on between 12 and 7 a.m. in the early morning. We recommend putting on after 7 a.m. so that we can yeah. kind of alter the peak time of when we use our water because there is water. So that's the thing. You don't have to limit. It's more about conserving into the small ways, ways that won't impact your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Tara. No I appreciate problem. having you on here. No problem. And that concludes today's water break. Back to you, Jeff. Glennis Berry is lead accredited professional architect and planner registered with the U.S. Green Building Council. She is the executive director of Peconic Green Growth, a non-for-profit organization focusing on sustainability, community, and the arts, and has worked with the Suffolk County Planning Commission and the Long Island Commission for Aquifer Protection. Glennis, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. So as a, as a drinking water company and a utility, we naturally have customers who contact us and complain at times that their bill is too high. It's just sort of uh, the nature of the business that we're in. But there's been a push uh, for several years now from environmental activists and community leaders uh, for the water authority and other drinking water providers to increase the cost of water. Can you elaborate on, on the higher cost for water and whether that is beneficial for conservation initiatives? I believe it is. And for a couple of reasons. It's not just a punishment. It helps people be first aware of how they're using water and will lead them to, you know, educational aspects, whether evaluate how they are using water, whether they have water sense fixtures, whether they're, you know, turning on the tap too long when they don't need to, or using outside irrigation. Um, and they, so it brings to attention that there might be a need for them to reconsider how they use water. And also if they use too much, it increases the cost of delivery. So people that are conservative in nature are burdened with that extra cost that is triggered by the high demand. So it's a way of evening the field a little bit so that the 
the ones who conserve water aren't being punished either. But if it's done well, the extra payment can go to help incentives that these very people can take advantage of to change their behavior, to you know, introduce a smart controller on their irrigation system, or to put in you know, more efficient um, equipment in their house. So that funding can actually help them in the end um, because they would be the, most, the ones most likely to benefit from an incentive program. So I'm, I'm assuming you think that a tiered rate structure is a good way to encourage conservation? Absolutely. It needs to com- be combined uh, with education and incentives. And ultimately, if they don't change voluntarily, eventually regulation. But that's always the last step. Well, it certainly got the attention of our customers the first year it was implemented. You know, we, we did outreach and notification uh, and justification as to why the tiered rate was going into effect. But certainly when customers got their first summer bill and it jumped considerably from what it was the year before, primarily for many people because of, um, you know, home irrigation systems, they would call and they would question it. And it did certainly change some of their practices. You know, there, there were definitely questions about steps that they could take to reduce their, their summertime consumption, because that's when we typically see, you know, about 70% of the water we pump for the year used. That's great. How effective was it? Do you have a sense well, it, it, it's, it, I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but certainly from people expressing concern about the increase and then seeing an effect first year over second year, it was dramatic. Uh, we have the statistics. I think customer complaints about the tiered structure were down 68 or 70% year over year. Now, there are other, other factors that you know, come into consideration, right? Was there was one year... Over the other, was it a warmer year? Did, did people just, you know, was it a hot, dry summer as opposed to a relatively, uh, you know, rainy summer? Last summer, um, you know, we didn't have the, the long periods of uh, protracted heat. Uh, so, you know, weather certainly plays a role too. But I think as far as notification, justification, and an explanation as to why we're doing it, it certainly worked, uh, you know, the first two years. And I think that this is something we really need to properly evaluate over maybe a three to five year period where we have enough data to actually look back and to see um, what we're pumping every year, what are the infrastructure needs, what are the customers saying about tiered rates, but it certainly got the attention of many customers upon implementation. One of the reasons we created the Long Island Commission for Aquifer Protection was to improve coordination on water issues regionally, and then to talk about solutions. That includes local government, regulators, water suppliers, and the environmental community. But water rate structures are not uniform, as you know, Uh, and some of the suppliers, even locally in Nassau County, have three or four different pricing tiers. Uh, While some suppliers only use one rate, What do you think is the best approach? We need to address basic needs first. And by having a a reasonably priced initial cost, um, that will make water accessible to all for their their needs. 
Now, when people start using more water, it's usually optional, you know, um, and they can find ways of reducing that. So there's more choice involved with that cost. Um, so people can decide if, you know, having a shower head with 10 heads is worth it to them, you know, versus having a low flow um, shower head. So it's a decision people will make. Um, and also going to even a higher is, uh, level is also important to kind of rein in excessive use and to bring people's attention to that because we do want to be reasonable in our use so that it's available. Yeah. What we have found is the, the tiered rate structure certainly helps. But it goes hand in hand with um, tremendous outreach and education and having a dialogue with our customers about the value of water, right, and, and the importance of water and proper water use. You know, just to, to your point, um, we have, uh, you know, staff, dedicated staff that, that do in-home consultations and advise customers on steps that they can take. They, you know, um, in their own home to reduce their own water consumption. It's been a successful program. We've just initiated and released an, an RFP to do the same for commercial entities, for, for businesses throughout our service territory that are, you know, obviously some of our larger uh, customers, uh, but to, to set up a program where our technical staff and uh, folks from our engineering department and from our water quality division can meet with some of the larger companies and uh, work with them to develop best practices so that they could also reduce you. So it, it's a it's a it's a work in progress. It certainly doesn't happen overnight, but I think that we're on the path to success. And that is very very important because one people need to understand that there is an issue with water quantity as well as quality. And on Long Island, you know, it's a term for climate. So we don't feel that need viscerally, even though we're, you know, relying on the same aquifer. And with climate change and sea level rise, you know, that will have impacts on at least the upper glacial, maybe not the deeper ones. So. It's not as visceral for us as it is in the desert, but it's still an issue. And there are examples across the country where people have required uh, water conservation. And at first they you know, resented it and complained, but um, Las Vegas is an example. You know, water use can be halved. And when you go there, you see water being used, but it's recycled water. It's treated water, you know? So there are ways of still using water that help preserve that very precious uh, resource. So, uh, you know, uh, shifting topics a little bit, but you, as you know, Long Islanders love green plush lawns, yes. right? <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, in your experience as an industry leader, um, are most Long Islanders using uh, native grasses? Um, I don't think most of them are. It's something they should consider. Uh, the Cauliflower Association um, does have some mixtures that are more native that people should take a look at that need 
they're more drought tolerant. Um, one, people should consider reducing the size of their lawn. Two, they can, they should only irrigate to establish it and then rely on the local climate to sort of let, allow it to adjust. And it's okay if it turns brown once in a while, because when it turns brown, that's when maybe water is needed for more important things during a drought. So um, people have to learn to live with imperfection sometimes. Yeah, as well as appreciate the beauty of what's native. Glynis, I, I know you, you've done some work with New York City, and you've also been very active on the east end of Long Island and the, the North Fork and certainly South Hold. Uh, is there a difference in attitudes and perceptions when it comes to water use as we move across uh, the Water Authority Service Territory? It's hard for me to know because, you know, I do live on the east end, and because we're so vulnerable, there is more awareness, I think. But at the same time, new people coming in just assume they need to put in their irrigation system instead of looking at alternatives. So I think there's a need to educate new homeowners um, as well as existing homeowners because you might be able to change the practice effectively you know, like reaching out to realtors and, and whatnot um, might be a way to help with that. Um, and you already have a good relationship with irrigation companies and landscaping companies. So continuing that effort that we're not replacing them, but being partners with them on best practices. Yeah, and I think what, what we've... Yeah, most definitely. What we've seen recently, too, over the last several years is real active engagement uh, at the town level, at, at, at the most local level. You've certainly been a leader in the town of Southhold with trying to work with uh, with officials uh, to spread the word of conservation and the importance of preserving the aquifer. Do you think that um, the efforts made by, by Southhold, do you think that that could be an example for other municipalities to follow? I think we have a long way to go before we're an example. <laughs> I mean, people are starting to talk about it. Um, Shelter Island actually did more than us um, in terms of protect, protecting their aquifer. I think we all need to really look at it closely and do more, quite frankly. But at least people are talking about it. But we do need more action. That's the first step, isn't it? Yes. Glennis, any closing comments or uh, thoughts that you'd, you'd like to pass along, recommendations to our listeners? Basically, rethink your relationship to water. Can you use less and without feeling like you're strained? And the answer is probably yes. And really look at how you use water outside because all that water is lost. Your, the water you use in your fixtures does appear on, on, on site septic. It goes back into the aquifer, but all your outside use is basically lost. So that is the place to really focus. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate your thoughts. Oh, thank you. And I appreciate the work you're doing. That's going to wrap up another edition of What About Water? 
We hope we've given you a better understanding of how our tiered rate system works. But it's a very complicated subject. So if you have any questions about this topic, please give us a call at 631-698-9500, and we'll be more than happy to help. What About Water is produced by Jeff Sabo, Tim Moltz, Seth Wallach, and Theodore Aponte. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. I'm Jeff Sabo.